0: please begin tape two of podcast if you do not have a tape of the podcast flip over to side b of the phonographic record or laser disc. for technical support contact your authorized Hand laser service center
1: going to aikido motherfucker is selected you look familiar i know you don't i going to aikido motherfucker is selected
0: Shit, i lost the phalanx the whole thing's dead we're sitting down Now we return to Cat lasers, even I kind of like the fact we're
1: walking into a full scale wreck.
0: <laughs> Fake Seagull has real Seagull on lockdown. It's pretty awesome. He does. So, um, the crazy thing about this movie is they actually go through all their stuff. They're fighting an opera house. Then Jones gets killed. You really don't even care about anyone. It's kind of That's kind of one of the downfalls about the movie. But it just ends on like this cliffhanger ending that is um just so over the top and insane. I just it's just this movie is just crazy. You have to see it to believe it. So that's good because it's bad, right? It just has these elements like the one-liners, the the incredible, this sci-fi plot that's just I mean, who would have even thought they would attempt something like that in a Cigala movie? And it's really it makes it different. Now, let's look at Pistol Whipped. Pistol Whipped. Uh, which I believe was originally going to be called Marker.
1: Like Gambling Marker.
0: Yes. Um, this is a really interesting movie because this one, look to me, feels like the culmination of a career. It it captures every element of Segal. I mean, he's an ex-CIA. Well, I don't know if he's CIA, but he's some kind of ex-spook or special forces guy. Um, he's been a cop. To me, this is like a spiritual successor to Above the Law. And actually, um, they, they actually reference the concept of, of above the law in the movie. But the basic background is that he's a cop. He was a cop. He's a ne- this is one of the movies where he's an ex-cop. You know, he's 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 divorced. His kid has grown up, sort of picking up from above the law. His kid's grown up now. Barely sees her. A stra- uh, divorced from his wife. Gambling debts. Uh, lost his job on the force because of a scandal. Uh, involving uh, missing money Um, and now he just sort of mopes around and is depressed and has lost his um, lost his way and also features um, a priest character similar to Above the Law you're not a good guy you sit around all day you do nothing with your life living off God knows what you gamble you're divorced a dark past before I met you then you're a cop and they kicked you out I bet you don't see your daughter one day out of twenty so he's giving it to him. Uh, he's giving it to him pretty hard. There, priest is not pulling any punches. No. And uh, but it's not all bad. The world is filled with guys like you. Guys worried about getting what they think they deserve, and why should they work for it? But deep inside you, you've got this—I don't know—this this spark, this seed of decency. I
1: got to go. <clears throat> Somebody, I got to see.
0: Um yeah.
1: Raw emotion. It's raw emotion, dude, choked mm-hmm.
0: up. So, Segal, interesting to see him in this state. You know, kind of down and out.
1: Yeah, the position of weakness is not one we see him in yeah. often.
0: Sort of that spiritual like the sequel to Above the Law, the way you think about it, I think about it. In the sequel to Above the Law if it had been made the year like 91 or 92, would have been completely different. He would have been still kicking ass and taking names and everything, you know would have everything would have been great you know he would have been would have been an upbeat film but now the way they the way they have structured this film is completely the opposite where he's he's so much older and he's he's lost his way um
1: well part of it might be that his the character he plays actually matches his physical appearance you know he's old and fat and broken down and you know i buy him as an old fat broken down man now just cuz i bought him as you're right yeah i, I bought him as an absolute ass kicker in 1988 because he was this thin dude who could really move but now he's just a, a man in a trench coat who waddles it's he, depressing he's
0: um yeah it's unfortunate He's become kind of a shell of his former self but i think what he lacks there he brings out in his performance he's way out there now way like extremely passive aggressive latent hate and rage
1: mm-hmm. he taunts people uh, yeah, Basically. he's the kind of.
0: In fact, you know, probably the fun, one of the great scenes in um, in Pistol whipped is um, he. What eventually happens is he becomes a um, he becomes a hitman, functionally for a covert group that uh, is not acknowledged by the government, but that seeks justice against those who are. You guessed it.
1: These scumbags that have managed to get not above the law, but beyond it. The law for them has no meaning. That's where we come in. You know what I prefer to call our enterprise? Extracurricular justice.
0: And that's kind of a metaphor for Seagal's entire career, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, as Segal goes forward in time, he he has to evolve. And when he does evolve, I think that this is an excellent example of that. Pistol Whip shows what he can do. And it plays off of his pre-existing characters, as you noted. And brings them more into the appropriate age range that he is now. That, that's part of why the movie works.
0: Except for his love interests.
1: Yeah, that's always a little awkward.
0: That's um, always extremely awkward. And that's something we're going to, unfortunately, have to delve into in a little bit. But um, back to this concept that um, of the journeyman, Sagal. Same problems he had when he was younger. Still fighting corruption. Still fighting in his own way. Still fighting outside the uh, normal scope of, um, of what we consider to be um, legal, <laughs> to mm-hmm. say the least. Initially maybe finding a problem with it, kind of um, kind of a throwback to and above the law for example. Um, this was his opinion of police.
1: You see police frighten these people. I know what you mean, they frighten me too.
0: Which is an interesting concept because he's basically been playing a cop for two decades.
1: He always plays an authority figure, but he very yeah. rarely operates within the rules of his organization.
0: And even within this organization, which is functionally a hit squad, you know, he finds a little bit of regret, remorse, or unsure. He's a little unsure of of what he's doing, but um, you know, ultimately, he. It's kind of funny because there's two endings to this movie. Um, you watched the other ending, right?
1: I don't know if I did.
0: Okay, so the way this movie ends. Is um the at least the official ending I would say, the one's edited into the movie, is the movie ends with him accepting his role as this hit man, um
1: in a church, right?
0: He's in the church. His new love interest, who's considerably younger than his wife, actually not that much younger <laughs> than his wife. And I think about it, his his wife is probably the age Sharon Stone was in a Buffalo. So it's him in the church, getting the contract for his new hit from his girl, who's also a member of the hit squad in the alternate ending he takes his daughter to the aquarium and buys her a puppy and his wife he's reunited with his wife so his family's back together so they deliberately went for the more hard-edged ending mm-hmm. in Pistol Whipped as opposed to the happy ending where he well I guess they're both happy it depends about which way you look at it. do you look at murdering for hire as a as a um, credible career choice or you know being reunited with his family and ultimately I think the question posed at the beginning which Seagal replies you know to the priest with this. You're right about that. I'm a bad man. So he had the opportunity to, you know, atone, so to speak. Right. And the way that he atones is not by, um, you know, reconnecting with his family. It's by going and getting justice like he's always done in all his movies. And it's kind of an interesting thing because that's functionally, it's a metaphor for his career because he's always going to be doing that. That's, that's what he does. You know, that's his shtick. That's his archetype that's that's what he does he's he's out for justice at all times
1: and to that point i think that the perhaps the reason they included the ending that they did is it's much more sequel friendly it's saying oh he's now an active hitman with this organization i mean
0: they went as far as to the ending the climactic scene is him in a graveyard shooting up all kinds of people his daughter is running to him and Sagal is about to kill his. What ended up happening was his main foe actually uh, married his wife and became his daughter's stepfather. And so he's about to murder this guy in front of his daughter. And this is what happens. You want to be cremated
1: or buried? Buried.
0: Not dramatic at all.
1: What's that liquid sound? That is
0: the sound of gasoline. Ooh.
1: Do you bury from people? a random
0: <laughs> bullet? Just happened to be pouring out.
1: Do you bury people in gasoline?
0: Even Seagal does. Nice.
1: Oh, man, that's Just so epic! The explosion, the profanity, the gunshots, the screaming child. It really, oh my lord! It's quite a picture in a graveyard. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think this kind of leads me into my one caveat to the modern Seagal. That kind of is the the thing that drags it down for me. And I think maybe part of the reason why he's not as well received. The modern Seagal um, is is very similar to the old Seagal, you know, as, as I've mentioned and talked about quite a bit. Um, they were just better at hiding his flaws before. Now he has just an overt anger and um, passive-aggressive attitude towards most people that eventually leads to him just killing them. For example, in Pistol Whipped, he doesn't just, he's hired as a hitman, right? You'd figured they'd want this dude to be as stealth as possible. So he's given this hit. It's this mafioso, kingpin type. He doesn't wait across the street with, like, a sniper rifle. He goes into the restaurant, sits down at the table, and just insults the guy for five minutes before he shoots them in front of 100 people. (laughs) Wow. So, yeah, modern Steven Seagal is a huge dick.
1: Oh, he is. Absolutely. (laughs) He makes up for his lost physical capability with just posturing.
0: And I think that, um, you know, his moral superiority... Get stripped away as a result. Yes. Um, you know, much of the rep that he built up um, over the years. You know, whether being above the law, he's like, he's not above the law. You know, he's concerned about those who are above the law. He's really looking out for people up on the, the ground. He's really looking out for this tribe, and for the earth. You know, by the end of the movie, it's the entire planet. These these newer movies are not like that. Very vindictive. Very um, cold. His morality is dealt out in the most brutal and Machiavellian way. Mm-hmm. Only his anger and rage is justified, often with very comedic results, as the um, "you cremated now" line is uh, pretty much classic. And that's what we get the entertainment from: is that kind of insane, over-the-top nature. It's not necessarily what we're seeing as um, the result of a conflict. Um, it doesn't have meaning for us because we view it as kind of as a more of a comedic gesture than um, a dramatic or um, important set of circumstances, and that I think drives people away who don't get the joke.
1: So could it almost be said that in the early part of his career, Seagal would take good roles and perform adequately, but as he's moved further into the direct-to-video realm? he is implanted into subpar movies and then through just you know strength of character and almost being i don't want to say a clown but being the center of attention i think clown is fair yeah. in certain
0: aspects yes
1: he is he is elevating these pieces of film by his very presence and makes them watchable
0: i think it's a i have a slightly different view my view is that he still the same capable guy he's always been it's that these roles now have taken on a a much harder edge now going to your data about involvement you know he's he's taking scripts he's participating in them Um, but even some of the ones he wrote which we're going to get into like like um we'll do a little bit of analysis from uh into the sun and, and exit wounds in a couple of seconds because my next topic is 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 basically, I think probably the biggest flaw that I see in his movies and besides his portrayal, which is in such conflict with his his person, which I think we'll get into as we conclude these comments on Steven Seagal. You know we know, or I mean I'm not sure how many people know, but he's 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 kind of become known as an activist as of late, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: particularly in the wake of On Deadly Ground which was so environmentally conscious. But like in the case of women for example, um you know
1: like what the f are you doing, man? This man is <laughs> he is incredibly misogynistic Why? on screen and in reality. He's been to court what three times?
0: Maybe more him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's had he's gone as far, had as far as a, a human trafficking charge levied against. There was, these are all been dropped by the way. He's never actually been convicted of any wrongdoing, but um if there's any indication, like we just look in his mood, I can't believe more feminists haven't like targeted him because it's like, um, I mean, now that he's older, especially I mean, God, the the women are just so young. I mean, it's, it's another thing. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I mean, it's a little disturbing. It's not my cup of tea, but, um, the way they're treated is really the problem for me. Um, and if we just look in, um, in pistol whip for a second.
1: I'm an artist. You're an artist. Not like the kind of artist that sells paintings and stuff. I'm a graphic artist. I put together brochures and catalogs, that kind of stuff.
0: I work freelance now, but back when I had a nine-to-five and I had a bunch,
1: wherever I worked, whenever I did, there was always some guy above me thinking he could do my job better than me, telling me what I needed to do to be good enough. Hmm. And after like a bunch of years, I finally realized what I really needed to do was grow a dick. Well, probably I would like you a lot less if you had a dick. Mm -hmm. Especially if it was bigger than mine. You know what I mean? I don't think that's possible. Now,
0: uh, of course, they never miss a chance to um, (laughs) tell a dick joke. And probably the most egregious, I think, was what they did to Jill Hennessy. My girl from Law & Order, man. Can't do Jill that way.
1: Bring me something solid. I have something solid. More
0: solid. And I'll know what to do with it.
1: You'll know what to do with it? Mm hmm. Oh, Joe, why they do that to you? So basically, the point here is that as soon as you have any sort of dialogue between Seagal and an attractive woman, even if she's making a very valid point about, you know, feminism in the workplace, mm-hmm. perhaps, Ruined. The, the only way they can wrap it up is by mentioning how large Steven Seagal's junk is.
0: You're right. Um, It's egregious. It's crazy, and it it happens too much in his movies. Um, There's been so many references to his dick. It's like, I just don't know. I I just, I don't get it. Um, Is that a symbol of being tough? Like, you just talk about how big your dick is? Or is that just a metaphor? Is it genius? Am I missing something? Is it like, like a metaphor?
1: I think it's consistent with the idea of him posturing as a substitute for physical Mm. violence.
0: Posturing, I think that's the key. and That's something you were talking about, is that his later movies are just filled with posturing.
1: And body doubles.
0: And a voiceover
1: that's equally angry as him. It may be even more sinister. In fact, the movie Black Dawn, which is the sequel to The Foreigner, he dropped out of it halfway through production, and they finished the movie using voiceovers and body doubles, and you can't tell. It's incredible seamless
0: okay so that brings us to kind of an analysis of Seagal's world worldview which um, he has no qualms about talking about
1: <laughs> oh no
0: he yeah, definitely um, pretty much anyone who will listen he talks he will talk to you about um you know a great many things
1: I think he often gets
0: topics he very very gets... many topics.
1: He gets spread pretty thin sometimes, I think, though. I mean, the activism is, I think that's died away a lot uh, from the movies. He's maybe substituted some of his performance in, you know, Stephen Skull, Lawman, perhaps with that, making a, a point of speaking to people who might be underprivileged while he's in uniform, wandering around Louisiana or Arizona, as the case may be. Perhaps that's his outlet now.
0: But how do we describe his, like, What what, what is his belief system?
1: It's a, it's a staggering contradiction because he, on the one hand, has this personal view of being peaceful and spiritual and at one with everyone. He wants to be, basically, he wants to be seen as a Buddhist Lama. I was born clairvoyant. Uh, I was born a healer.
0: And uh, I was born very different. And he's a
1: shaman. He is. Yeah, in one interview, A Mojo Priest in one interview he claimed to be God.
0: I I I am sorry for any pain or suffering or hurt or negativity I've caused any sentient being.
1: So you can contrast that Seagal with the one we see on screen. And the contrast is extreme.
0: It's really extreme. Um you know, he claims to be, you know, he's for animal rights. Wasn't he? He wrote uh, like an open letter to um Oh my God! It was some country for the protection of some animal.
1: Ecuador, maybe?
0: No, it was not Ecuador. It was a protection of an elephant. It was in Thailand. So, Steven Seagal as an animal activist, um, good or bad?
1: Well, in the real world, I think he tries to be good. But how many people know of his real world activities relative to what they see? Well, let's on, let's on see
0: movie. how good he was in Exit Wounds.
1: Did you really be the suspect unconscious when you did, Cat? No. no, nope. Cat wasn't dead. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So you have a man who will go to the extremes of sending a letter to save elephants and letting the media know about it. And then in a movie that's seen by millions of people, he. His return to prominence, even. I mean, really? Yeah, definitely. It was his highest grossing movie after, you know, I would say his golden age. In that movie, he condones. How's all the animal abuse?
0: That sounds like magic. You a magician? Yeah, you want to show
1: you a rabbit on your ass. Yeah, I mean, imagine what the rabbit would go through.
0: Okay, so not good with women. No. Not good with animals. No. What about world? What about the world? Like the people of the world? Um, you know, lived in Japan, dojo in Japan. Um, loves Inuit people. You'd think he'd be good in this area, right?
1: Well. He... Well, let's
0: see what he thinks about Japan in a movie he wrote and directed. he uh, wrote he wrote and directed Into the Sun, right?
1: He did not direct it. He
0: okay. wrote it.
1: Okay. Sushi. That's really eat this crap. or this Are these your chopsticks. It sounds like a man who has contempt for Asian culture.
0: He has claimed to be uh he was he made this claim that he um, experienced some type of xenophobia while he was in in Japan. But I'm not I mean who doesn't love sushi? That's crazy.
1: Yeah, and how much of that xenophobia was warranted? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, are we to believe then that Segal is this happy guy, or is he this? Is he a guy? You know, he's really full of passion for these um topics or these issues, or um, you know, is he trying to be? What, what, what's your take on it? Ian?
1: I think that in some ways he attempts to be a person who can lead others he, mm. he views himself as a teacher he does that with akita. well he is a teacher at least of akita right and at the same time you can watch some of his interactions with suspects and the general public while he is steven seagal lawman you know first in louisiana and later in arizona where he you know he, he interacts with people who are poor people who are underprivileged people who might normally be put at a disadvantage because of the presence of the police and he hears out their complaints, hears out what their plight is. So he's really he performs the task of bringing to light a side of a, a topic which from a show like Cops might be put to the side. And he's uniquely qualified to do that because
0: He has a certificate. He,
1: he does, and he's well known. So if someone comes up and it's just the normal cops, they will react differently than if they see you know that dude from above the law. I mean, there's got to be somebody out there, probably a large contingent of people who view under siege or above the law the same way like Puff Daddy views Scarface. (laughs) They just watch it all the time and live their life by its code.
0: I think those early movies, though, had a stronger code. Um, I mean, I think we demonstrated that on Deadly Ground, started to go off the rails a little bit. The clip I played of, um, you know, he'd fuck anything for $350,000. Although artistically, I have to give him props because he came into that movie... A total scumbag like the people he worked for and then evolved his personality so it made sense in that context his later movies don't in fact if you look at pistol whipped total devolution from that i mean he ends up like like with the alternate ending which is just so telling to me he they scrapped the ending for him going back getting back with his family in favor of this um extremely um dystopian view of his own life where he is a permanent fixture of vigilante justice. But
1: um, it's not all that bad. What about Seagal's singing career, then? You mean the mojo priest who lives in the Crystal Cave?
0: Be prepared to be rocked.
1: It's a pretty soothing song. I'll give it that.
0: The major song from Into
1: the Sun? Yeah. He should do a duet with Fakes and all. Oh
0: man,
1: <laughs> that would be radical. I wouldn't know you were there. Call you Bruce, LaNico Go, or that guy from On Deadly Ground? Forest Taft. Yeah, Forest.
0: <laughs> I think Forrest Taft is Segal's spiritual animal.
1: Not instead the bear. Of, not, of, the of, bear. Yeah. No, it's not
0: the bear. Yeah, not the bear. Forest Taft is. Forest Taft is. I think who Steven Seagal wants to be.
1: I wouldn't blame him. That speech you played, pretty, it's pretty radical, pretty man. Great. It's pretty yeah. deep. I wish I could give a speech like that without just resorting to shouting.
0: Like you did in the Snake Eater podcast.
1: Yeah. Check that one out, folks. All right.
0: So I think we've exhausted pretty much every aspect of Steven Seagal. Is there anything else um, that springs to mind that we should talk about?
1: Well, only two things before we wrap up. The first one is this question I'd like to pose. Does Seagal get a fair shake from critics?
0: I think this, this is an important fact. This is, I think, with the crux of our slight disagreements on the career of Steven Seagal comes down to.
1: Well, I think the, there's no big money from studios to protect him in the court of public opinion. He's expected to fail. At the same time, he makes himself an easy target. Um, he has a continual stream of reality TV. He does you know, mixed martial arts, trash talking. So it doesn't help his position that he...
0: As a quick side note, his, his show is successful, though.
1: Oh, yeah. People yeah. love it. Okay. Yeah, not only the reality show of Steven Seagal Lawman, but also True Justice, which is a scripted drama that he's you know, a major part of. He's written episodes, produced all of them, appeared in most of them. So yeah, he's still, he's a big big success, really. But you know, people have a, a preconceived notion about him, and I think a lot yeah. of that shows up in the the IMDb ratings. So, I mean, I should say, personally, I, I don't have much of a problem with Seagal. I've seen virtually everything he's done, and I enjoyed a healthy percentage of it but public perception he doesn't do anything to help himself out of it
0: my take on it is slightly different um you know as i've said before i don't really view him as having really changed that much there are a couple tweaks to his persona um he lost a little bit of his activist side in movie um he's lost a lot of his physical capabilities on screen um they've had to cover that up with some pretty bold dialogue and some braggadocious womanizing. Um, And, but fundamentally still out for justice. You know, the dude is still, um, you know, like every movie title you could probably bring up. He's been, he's been pistol whipped. Um, He's above the law. He's on deadly ground.
1: You know, the dude, he's under siege. He was submerged. He He was submerged. Literally. He took a flight of fury. (laughs) He was a foreigner. Yeah. He is
0: an attack force in and of himself. Yeah, um, yeah, it does fit. But I think what I'm trying to say is that the IMDb ratings, I think especially with the direct-to-video stuff, not as many people are going to actually see those movies. It'll be a smaller sample size as opposed to uh, above the law. I think maybe with digital distribution, if he gets on Netflix and Amazon Prime, you know, more people will be prone probably to binge-watch his stuff. Um, and get acquainted with some of these movies that that people have probably never even heard of, like Driven to Kill, Ruslan, um, mm-hmm. you know, Pistol, Submerged. Certainly, I don't think anybody's seen that one. Attack Force. He le- that was the movie he left, right? Um,
1: uh, Black Dawn. Uh, Black Dawn. Yeah.
0: Excuse me. Uh, Black Dawn. You know, um, a lot of these movies are so below the rate. I mean, the thing is, somebody has to be buying. Them. <laughs> and he has a crazy demographic. I mean, he kicks ass. He does what he wants. He gets girls. Um, he doesn't really have any cars. I guess that's the one thing he's he's like lacking. Um, he's pretty much living a, the ultimate male fantasy. And the movies that take notice of that and actually make a good commentary about you know existence um, are better. Those are the ones that are better. Um, the other ones that are watchable or good are the ones that are like a farce. Like, Submerged is really just insane. It's just so crazy. So you have to be, you have to have a sense of humor to, like, Submerged. You know, like, if you're watching um, something on Riff Tracks, let's say. Like, if you're watching The Room. Let's say you're watching The Room. You have a certain expectation of what that movie is going to be, and it, it's going to take something similar to that in order to come around to some of these Seagal movies. I think critically... I don't really think people cared, even when he was, you know, making hits. I think the reason he was protected when he was making hits is what you said earlier: is that they were backed by a huge studio who wanted to make money. Uh, the minute that went away, they could say whatever they want. I mean, people hated on Deadly Ground, no question. Uh, but even Roger Ebert stood up for that movie, and I have no doubt that he believed it because I don't think he would have said uh, what he did, especially about the speech at the end, unless he meant it. But he was one of the few who actually stood up for that movie, and once the backing of the studios goes away. People can write whatever they want. It doesn't matter. Um, and I doubt most of the movies are even reviewed. Like by a critical like, you know, are the is there a direct video press,
1: you know? They core? exist, but it's I think you touched on a very good point there, which is that it's a, a flaw with the IMDB way of doing this. I think it's the only way to do kind of what we, we Yeah, it's fine. About, no, I understand that. But it's a Oh,
0: I don't dispute the data. I think that I, I fully believe that people are not like, I think the sampling is fine. Like, it's even though it's a small sample and it might be skewed by the fact that not that many people are seeing the direct to video stuff. Right. I think what's happening is that you have the effect of that he's seagal it. You know, we have an expectation of what Steven Seagal is, and it's locked into people's minds. And it's him in a freaking Eskimo jacket, you know, doing an environmental speech. You know, and he's overweight, and he doesn't look like he did when he was. He has a crazy like spray on tan, and he speaks in five accents, and and you know it's it's he's made a caricature of his persona on on film, and so we have an expectation of that. But fundamentally, the only thing that's changed is the budget. The only thing that's changed is these minor tweaks to his um, characters on screen, and I think people are buying into that sense that he's just segaling it. He's a caricature. They don't realize, well, you're supposed to, like, go to these movies to see, to have that experience. You know, on Deadly Ground, for example, people complain all the time that they don't make good or different, make different, so do something different with your act Why does it have to be a generic story, you know? And he introduces this environmental aspect, and people hated it. Like, people, like, it, it ruined his career, so to speak, even though he's, you know, he's he's still making money. I mean, he's, he's doing... All these, he's got all these projects. I mean, he's he's worked exponentially more
1: mm-hmm.
0: since *On Deadly Ground* came out, and yet he got crucified for making that movie. And so it doesn't really, to me, it doesn't matter if he makes *Submerged*, or you know, *On Deadly Ground*, or *Above the Law*, or *Attack Force*. It's going to be the same kind of expectation is put on all those movies and they're never going to get it's always going to be biased it's never going to be able to be reviewed unless Ken Lancer does it (laughs) (laughs) it's never going to be reviewed in a truthful way I think because of the stigma attached with Steven Seagal
1: to me the the differentiator between whether or not a I would say contemporary Seagal movie succeeds or not is the balance between it being a farce and kind of that expectation of Seagal. That's fair. So if you have, you know, Seagal phoning it in in a movie that is fundamentally uninteresting and there aren't any, you know, witty comebacks and it's not a complete catastrophe.
0: That's impossible. There's always witty comeback.
1: Yeah. But like Attack Force, it's not bad because it has Seagal in it and it's not bad because it's a stupid movie. Although it is both of those things. <laughs> it's bad because it's boring. You know, the pacing is off, the acting is adequate the story is mm. a pod's job so you have two mediocre scripts combined with seagal not really giving a damn and you have a boring movie so these movies as long as they're engaging as long as the audience is watching them and being like hey i want to see some more of that it's fine it's succeeding in its goal which is to entertain people for 90 minutes when it's boring somebody for 90 minutes that's when you get you know really really poor feedback from anybody but
0: people today their attention span is very short with movies um What you were saying about Dark Knight Rises with that high rating. I mean, you have to be on crack and cocaine and heroin to think that movie is an 8.1.
1: Oh, yeah. I think we're definitely in the same ballpark there. I mean, that's just stupid.
0: Yeah. That's just like drinking the Kool-Aid.
1: Yeah. I could see an argument for Dark Knight. Just because of the performance of Heath Ledger. I can see that. But Dark Knight Rises, which features like 30 minutes of Batman in, what was it, like a seven-hour movie? It's
0: just total trash. I mean, aside from the fact they took the Batman out of Batman, the fact that they made such a ridiculous plot about, you know, they stuck around just long enough for him to to crawl out of a a freaking hole in the ground that they got out of when they were children with a busted-up knee with no cartilage. The fact that he was only Batman for like... One or two years, the fact that they they took away his modus operandi which was which was avenging his parents' death but by like instituting this girl character who you knew for five minutes, and the fact that like it was just so patronizing, I think it was deliberately done actually to to really point out how insipid I guess comic book and cliched comic book stuff can be because I mean the whole theme of that movie by the end turns out. <laughs> it's just him quitting you know it's just him quitting being batman like he was quitting the whole time he was batman and to me that's just a fundamental disagreement i have with with the way that the movie was perpetrated but aside from all that the plot itself is so hamstrung and juvenile like it's like nolan is daring you to um to not think like uh you know they terrorize the what is it the um Bane, you know, it's terrorizing Gotham for, like, keeping it under lockdown. And, you know, just enough time transpires for Bruce Wayne, to, for Batman to return. Yeah. You know, like, to foil the plot. I mean, it's like, it's just, it's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, they kept the city locked down for several months, and all they were ever going to do with it it's is blow so it up.
0: Ridiculous. It's just, it's just, I can't believe people like that. It's just, it's sad. It's real sad for me, because I feel like that was I I don't know if it was an opportunity lost, because I really feel that Nolan got exactly what he wanted he wanted a deconstruction of Batman he wanted to put Bruce Wayne into the equation and I have a fundamental disagreement with Nolan I don't think that Bruce Wayne is masquerading as Batman I think Batman is masquerading as Bruce Wayne Absolutely. and that's yes. that's the fundamental point that Nolan just destroyed in by pretty much it ran through the entire trilogy but by Dark Knight Rises I mean it's just so obvious I mean the dude retires to like Italy or whatever the hell he was and
1: Batman is not a hobby. It's ridiculous. It's Batman, not a hobby. Yeah, it's it's just well, oh know. the kids. What are you gonna do? But I mean, tying that into Seagal, you can say on you could probably make a pretty good Venn diagram of the areas where, say, Submerged is a subpar, a, a poorly constructed movie, and then overlap that with The Dark Knight and or Dark Knight Rises certainly. Yeah, and you know, checking those off, I I bet they share a lot of the same problems.
0: Not really. I think. Um, what the first thing that you would, if you're comparing any blockbuster to a Steven Seagal movie, especially these later ones, and Submerge, which actually has some CG in it, you, the first thing you're going to know, notice is that they cannot, they're nowhere near effects. Like they're just nowhere. Like like Dark Knight. Like when we review movies on Can Laser, movies like The Dark Knight, Prometheus are going to be so skewed because um, their effects levels are just off the chart. Like Prometheus is one of the best looking movies you've ever seen. So we have to be able, we have to have a way to counteract that because it's one of these unfair um things that critics go through all the time like i read a review saying how uh, olympus has fallen had great effects it was horrible i mean the effects were so substandard not just by blockbusters by like Steven Slick all movies they were like i was like my god this is the fakest snow fire uh smoke everything was just anything that was a particle <laughs> was just absolutely horrendous um as a result, there wasn't that many outdoor shots. A lot of it was shot indoors. Even White House Down had better effects than Olympus Has Fallen. And Olympus Has Fallen crushed, I think. Believe crushed. I have to look it up. But crushed uh, White House Down in the box office. And it's the kind of things critics just... They sell you on this like stuff. I mean, you can't sell effects on Steven Seagal. That's the one thing you can't do. Um, as far as the story, um, it's difficult to say. I don't know if... Um, despite the flaws in the dark knight rises or even olympus has fallen um which i freaking hate actually hate is a strong word Hate i hate dark knight rises olympus has fallen is kind of hilarious but um the flaws that they have in their stories you know are made up for in things like effects editing um or some of the big categories that we go through when we do these reviews.
1: Well, they're very well lit. They have some shots, which you couldn't possibly, you have shots that cost more than a Steven Seagal movie. Yeah, no, it's the scale
0: is completely skewed. And so when we look at a Steven Seagal movie, we have to take account of that and sort of um, really look at it for what they could accomplish with what they set out to do.
1: Yeah. It's uh, expectations. There has to be an expectation. level. Yeah.
0: Prometheus set the all time highest mark. Like, between the trailer and the hype leading up to that, you know, you, we couldn't help but be disappointed when, when the actual product came out. I mean, there's just there was almost no way I had deluded myself into thinking it would be awesome. I mean, they had me convinced with that trailer, but you know, Steven Seagal is the opposite problem. You really expect him to be bad all the time. That's the real where the bias comes in, I think.
1: Right, and there are the things. I mean, just touching on the Dark Knight briefly again, the Dark Knight Rises especially. The whole reason that those movies were so loved is because they tried to make a realistic Batman, mm, yeah. which is fundamentally, I think it sounds like a good idea, but it just isn't. Because the only way to make a realistic Batman, really, is to tie Bruce Wayne directly to something that the audience can relate to. I mean, we can't relate to flying a Batwing. We'd like to. I we can. can't. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> But if you want to make like a serious, grown-up version of this, so basically give the finger to Batman and Robin and Adam West, you have to take this story where your suspension of disbelief is modified so that you are you can feel like it's real.
0: I know we're getting off topic because we're talking about The Dark Knight a lot, but I actually don't even think it's giving a finger to Adam West. They're giving the finger to Frank Miller, to mm-hmm. um, Alan Moore, to people who took serious slants. It's not like Batman has never been done seriously. it has been done been done I mean if anything he's been on too seriously through comics since the 1980s because it was popularized by them especially Dark Knight Returns and obviously The Killing Joke but um you know what they did was deconstruct that even further by saying that you know being Batman is bad like the Batman aspect of him is what's wrong with him that's what those movies really accomplished and I don't think a lot of people know that I don't think they really understand that by the end of Dark Knight Rises that um he quit. He'd quit. What three times? He quit at the. He's like he's like Snake Eater. He quit. He gets instead of like being on. He's on suspension every movie. <laughs> he suspends himself. <laughs> right. Seagal, though never takes a break. My man is always working. <laughs>
1: right. Well, part of his you know Dark Knight Rises. The reason I don't like that movie really is that it's inconsistent. So you have in one fell swoop we're trying to explain the science behind why batman's technology works and then later on in the that work though right but then later in the movie he somehow magically transports himself from that giant hole in the ground to gotham which <laughs> has been completely barricaded so i mean that's it's a plot hole but you aren't expecting those because off of the dark knight which is this super duper movie that everybody loves even if they hate comic books Everyone's expecting it to be this perfectly constructed movie and it's not. It's just flash on top of money on top of See, I don't
0: even mind plot holes like that. I mean, the thing for me is like when you create a plot hole on purpose to prove the point that it's a stupid concept. Like the fact that his knees are messed up, he's all he's a his body is portrayed as being utterly destroyed mm-hmm. and um his back is broken in the movie. He's further damaged when his back is broken by Bane and then they stick him in a freaking hole that um he's not supposed to be able to get out of it's impossible even though the people who put him there escaped from the same hole right. when they were children yeah and the fact that he escapes in just the right amount of time to stop them mm-hmm. from deploying their their terror upon gotham by destroying it And they could have destroyed it any day for months it's so construed it's so um i can't even think of the word it's so childish
1: yeah, I, I think I've... I, I see what you're saying there. It's almost as if, at the most basic level, The Dark Knight Rises has contempt for its audience and mocks you. Oh, that completely to it completely does.
0: Like it completely does. It wants people... It's daring you not to think. It's daring you to not like this movie. And people felt I think people really fell for it. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's like you're... In That's certain, what that 8.1 means to me. Right, you're not allowed to dislike it because everybody says it's great. I mean, people
0: said... Crap. The precursor to that movie, people were saying it's going to be nominated for Best Picture. At the Oscars. People were saying that.
1: Wow. But with a Seagal movie, it's honest. It's not... If there are plot holes in it, if something doesn't make sense, okay, that's a feature of that kind of movie, but it's not because the director has, has a, a degree of contempt for their audience.
0: Show me a plot hole in a Seagal movie. He just kicks ass for the the, the entire thing. Is It's usually <laughs> a series of shots in the same day. So that's the thing. Like A lot of these epics now take place over days, years. I mean, it takes like... Dark Knight Rises was months, you know. Um Seagal is like one day in Seagal's life, he walked here and kicked this ass here, and then kicked the next ass, and then got laid and then did something else, saw his daughter, saw his ex wife who still likes him for some reason. Apparently all his exes love him. Um and the day ended with him just kicking some more ass and then he went to sleep. That's every theme Stephen Seagal movie.
1: So basically not only are Seagal movies more honest than Micah like blockbusters they're also better constructed <laughs> it's like the difference between yeah. a hammer and Sometimes, a laser yeah. powered there's,
0: no, there's no question that the modern day blockbuster has left itself open for a lot of criticism because they're so high concept now and you better be airtight locked down on your concept otherwise you will just be picked apart mercilessly by the fans who feel slighted right. <laughs> I don't care. Like, I don't care. I mean, the thing is, like, look, like, Christopher Nolan can't touch my copy of Dark Knight Returns. It's on my bookshelf. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just disappointing for me to see something that could have been awesome suck. Same case with Prometheus. Huge Alien fan. Seen them all thousands of times. One of the movies that introduced me to the genre Alien. One of the best movies ever made, frankly. I mean, just effects-wise, story-wise, concept uh, movie with a great backstory too about I mean it was basically going to be a disaster it was it was going to be made like it was going to be called Star Beast. it went through multiple writers delays on set they hired this crazy um, artist Geiger to like create this like insane con- the scene like um, um, visual concept I mean everything could have gone wrong with that movie but it turned out great it has a great history mm-hmm. and then you come out with Prometheus which just takes a dump in your mouth it's just shocking. It's just shocking. But at this point, at the same time, I'm not shocked because I've seen Transformers, too. Um, I've seen my childhood be flushed down the toilet by robots who piss on people and robots who have balls and hump the Great Pyramid. Um, you know, there's just dude, my expectation level is so low right now that Steven Sakal is blowing my mind. And that's why I think I got sucked into this frickin podcast because the more i watched his movies the more i realized there is a certain sincerity to him i mean he's a giant dick yeah as he will tell you over and over again but um
1: he's the same dude that's true and he's the same guy in a submarine that he is in a stealth fighter
0: has he been in a stealth fighter
1: uh well in flight of fury there's a stealth fighter on the cover i'm not sure that actually shows up (laughs) they do that a lot if there's
0: anything disingenuous about steven seagal always is the cover
1: he's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich you can't fuck it up.
0: <laughs> Even when he fucks it up, it's uh, it's, it's spectac- still delicious. <laughs> it's still a spectacular uh, blaze of glory that he goes down in. Yep. Wow. How did we get here? I have no idea what we were talking about. Batman: <laughs> Dark Knight Rises for an hour. <laughs> I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> fuck that shit. Do you want to conclude? You think
1: that's good?
0: So, in conclusion, Steven Seagal is not Batman. Although no. he should have been.
1: Yeah, that would have actually been pretty great. Is his career a giant Aikido move?
0: Ooh, no. interesting.
1: Will he end up using the momentum of the ill will against him to turn the tables on his detractors, flip the world of cinema in four dimensions, and end up owning the day? <laughs> you know, time will tell if you know, television shows and nostalgia will culminate in a final coup de croix to the preconceived notions and ingrown bias of cigars. Coup de croix? Cru de craw not a coup de a craw a de... what's that that's, a, that's is that one. like
0: uh, it's like a louisiana thing that's like the ultimate it's crayfish a
1: crea- it's a creole de craw <laughs> creole de crawfish after reviewing much of seagal's catalog reading up on his background and focusing much too closely on it all i think the answer is yes seagal will triumph in the end and to those who profess hatred towards seagal i leave you with this quote from seagal himself Try to find the path of least resistance and use it without harming others. Live with integrity and morality, not only with people, but with all things. You're right. We could all learn from the wisdom of Take Sensei.
0: Well said, Ian. Indeed, Seagull may be the first environmental action hero. He's an enigma. He's full of contradictions. He portrays a warped sense of honor in his movies, where... Only his rage is justified. Women are mostly throwaway objects, of course, if it's unless it's his daughter. And uh, even in that case, he, he may be a deadbeat or um, a peruser of threesomes. And then you have the real world sagal who has multiple sexual harassment charges brought against him, a human trafficking charge, all of which have been dropped, as we mentioned. Um, in the case of his lawman show, he claims to have a certificate that makes him Um, A peace officer but no one recognizes it or know if it's legit so but yet he still has um, an honorary title for the purposes of the show that allows him to to reap all the benefits and the prestige of of that position so um, it seems to be a common trend I think though in his career where this guy and maybe this is the reason why people like him he has made up his rules wherever he goes in movie outside the movie his first release uh, you know turned down three scripts decided to make his own script um his own concept that was then adapted into a screenplay first white dude to operate a or foreigner to operate a um dojo in japan you know this guy has just trailblazed and uh you know it's it's difficult to, to gauge because he's either really that good or a total bullshit artist and um as ian you know brought up to me when we were coming up with concepts you know is he a trope in and of himself i don't know because we don't really know who this guy is um <laughs>
1: no one else could be him
0: no one yeah i mean i would like to say that this dude is just fu- i mean even if he is bullshitting at this point i don't even care <laughs> i yeah. mean the dude is just like this dude he is on another planet how is his career still going i have
1: no idea this dude has like 45 movies or something crazy i mean it's just he, it's just he's bonkers good. it's just bonkers and even in the last few years he's just he's blown up even more you know television shows he's released energy drink two cds which you can stream on spotify recorded with stevie wonder yeah this man is incredible i mean people just dismiss him out of hand but the more you look the more the more there is to him and it's almost always at least somewhat mysterious which is why he's so fascinating to learn about
0: you know, I know. I know. Oftentimes now in his movies, he's he's the journeyman. He's um he's older. He's not moving as much. I mean, Maximum Conviction we just watched, and you know, he was the the shots are just getting tighter and tighter, and we're seeing less and less. Yeah. And that spray on tan is just that bronzer, man. They just got to cut back on that.
1: Some. It's just getting out of control. Did you notice his sunglasses goggles? He's wearing yeah. those a lot now. Yeah. yeah. With the tinted like uh, sharpshooter shades.
0: Yeah, he had the the special shades for like um. Yeah, so you can see your ballistics um, efforts better. Tactical, yes, tactical. I'm assuming prescription tactical glasses because he's wearing like Ben Franklin glasses and battle his,
1: bifocals And
0: <laughs> some of his other scenes. But that's fine. That's fine. He looks bluesish. He's he's like a blues man. You know, mm-hmm. they're allowed to wear sunglasses indoors. Um, but I just wanted to say to Segal, you know, he's been so down in his movies lately, and, and like looking like the old man that, um, you know, I still think he has that fire in him. But deep inside you, you've got this, this spark. you
1: got the touch!
0: You know that I know that everybody knows you.
1: you got the power! You're right.
0: So don't ever, ever quit on Seagal, man. He'll never quit on us.
1: Yeah, I look forward to watching his movies for at least another 20 years.
0: Damn, 20? I think he's got About 10? More.
1: I think he's got 15.
0: 15. All right.
1: Yeah. Cool. Do we have any listener questions?
0: Um, no. I was hoping Seagal would use his clairvoyance to call in, but um, appears not.
1: Yeah. Maybe he's busy being a healer today.
0: Okay. It's been fun. I think I maxed out on Seagal. Woo! Thanks, everybody. Who are you, and who are you working for?
1: I'm Alyssa Braun. Who do you think I am? I'm hot, I'm tired, I'm hungry, and I'm thirsty, and I've been walking. Heels all day. I have blisters on my feet. And quit asking me such stupid questions, all right?
0: And let me tell you something else, Buster. You're not my idea of a dream date, asshole. That's Mr. Asshole, you. You yeah, hear the
1: silence scream.
0: He only knows where he is going to. It's like a dream within a dream. His heart beats like a hammer, like the back feet of a song. And the